too much for money but money can't buy me love unless of course it's Donald Love the former Man United and Sunderland defender but I'm not sure how much he would cost Carl all these days hello everyone is, well, uh, so, sorry, go on. Is, he, is, is he not a Shrewsbury now he's at Shrewsbury yes that's why I said yeah. former Man United and yeah. Sunderland you see yeah. anyway hello everyone and welcome to this slightly different uh, episode of the Brunton Bugle a podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Carl United Football Club I'm joined by my regular co-host Dan McLennan today for this special episode Dan how's it going yeah, not bad. Good stuff, good stuff. So today we are going to be reviewing the excellent win over Port Vale at the weekend, or looking ahead to this weekend's clash against Colchester. We're going to do that tomorrow. We are instead digging into some of the details of Project Big Picture, proposals that were leaked to the media this weekend discussing radical plans to change the way English football pyramid is run. Now, we planned to do this episode back on Monday, didn't we, Dan? After the news broke, but as good luck would have it, uh, for once we got this before we recorded, um, just a few hours ago, uh, earlier today on Wednesday, it's been announced that Project Big Picture is officially dead in the water before it's even left the shore. But that doesn't mean it isn't worth discussing. The fact that this was leaked in the first place suggests it's just the first stage in a negotiation process that will change the way football is running this country for good. So let's get right into it. There's a lot to unpack. First up, a bit of background for anyone who's been living in a cave for the last few days. So Dan, Project Big Picture. Broke by the uh, Telegraph and Mail this weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it sort of came from nowhere, didn't it? It was just uh, all of a sudden uh, Twitter was alive with these plans that had seemingly been hatched by Liverpool, Man United and Rick Parry. Yes, of course. Now, Rick Parry, of course, is the chair of the EFL, the English Football League, um, alongside the two American owners of uh, Manchester United and Liverpool. So that would be the uh, Glazer family and... Uh, John W. Henry, I think it is. Um, yeah, Fenway Sports Group, is it? Yeah, Fenway Sports Group, obviously own. Yeah. Is, it, is it the Boston Red Sox? I'm going to get absolutely hammered by John McGee if I get this wrong, but I think it's the Boston Red I Sox. I think it is, yes. I was just looking him up earlier. Because I know John will be listening and he will hammer because he runs a very successful uh, British-based baseball podcast. Um, so yes, yeah, it, think... is, it is the Boston Red Sox. Thank God for that, because he would have absolutely <laughs> hammered me. Um yeah, a bit of a bit of shock to most people. I think I'd agree there, Dan. Straight away, a lot of negativity from a lot of football fans in particular, and also from uh, the Premier League, other clubs outside the top six, and uh, Department for Culture, Media and Sport. So what's brought this about? Seemingly, this has been quite a, a long way in the planning. It's not just something that's come up as a result of the whole coronavirus thing, is it? It's something that's been hatched for a while. And Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's been mention of three years, hasn't there? And yeah. I know since it broke, uh, one or two Premier League teams have have sort of said that they were actually involved in initial discussions and sort of went, well, no, we don't think this is the right way to do it. It's not for us. And yeah. left it and obviously thought that it had uh, 
you know, died, died a off. death, yeah. but seemingly hasn't. Yeah, um, so as you mentioned, it's been going for three years. There's a suggestion that Parry might have even put this forward during his uh, his interview to become EFL chair. Now, John Nixon, funny enough, we'll get onto John Nixon's comments in a minute. He has denied that, hasn't he? He said that it wasn't specifically mentioned, although Parry did suggest, you know, the need for reforms and things like that. But that was always going to be a key part of whoever took over in the EFL chair role anyway, wasn't it? Really, yeah. so it's not really a massive surprise there. As you mentioned previously, just then, um, noticeable that it's the US-owned clubs particularly that are leading on this strong sort of background in terms of the sort of deals that are involved in the NFL in particular uh, there. Yeah, for for, the, for those who, who, who aren't aware, the American, the American sports media is massive. Uh, the NFL TV deals are absolutely huge. They, they make... Yeah. They make our Premier League look like chicken feed sometimes, you know. And the format they do it now as well is quite different, quite something we're probably going to see in this country in a few years' time. Now, we'll get onto that later on. But, um, but yeah, there's, I mean, the, the amount of money NFL players get paid is, I mean, people complain about what soccer, soccer players, if you want to call them that, football players in this country get paid. What American football players get paid is off the scale compared against them, isn't it? And considering how little time they play in compared to a footballer, it is incredible the amount they get paid. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you see, obviously, quarterbacks are the the star of the show when it comes to NFL, and yeah. some some of the, I think, I think there was it was it a five hundred million dollar contract nearly yeah, in the summer like, ten year deal, yeah, or something. something like that. It, it, it's it is quite incredible. It, it it's worth noting though that they play through some horrendous injuries when when they get bad injuries, they basically just get pumped with injections until get on with it essentially the kind of injuries that in football can keep you out for six seven months potentially yeah so it does show the difference there really so that's what's brought it about um the fact that it's a long-term issue isn't it in terms of the efl and the funding gap and the issues that are going on there um let's have a look at the actual proposals let's get straight into these so first up the first part of this proposal and the, the one that seems to make it very attractive to efl clubs dan is the 250 million immediately to the EFL? That's the key one that everyone's got very excited about, really, hasn't it? Yeah, that's it's, that's what the EFL are demanding, isn't it, in terms of yeah, the yeah. recovery from coronavirus? And it's 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 you know it's a big sum, 250 million pounds, great yeah. for for a club of our level. You know, we'd never get near that sort of money. No. But again, it's all it's all in the splits between the divisions. I, I think the one I saw mooted was. Uh, 75, 15, 10% from Championship to League 2. I think that's... And then I think I saw 70, 20 and 10 mentioned. But those sort of figures, the Championship would get the lion's share of that money. Of course the the bigger clubs, the more money involved. But, you know, 75% of 250 million is... Uh, off the top of my head, it's about 160, 70, 80 million pounds, you know, which which doesn't leave that much for the other 48 teams, you know. No, it doesn't. Um, it, it's, yeah, it, it, I can see why people might get a bit funny about that, but realistically, the Championship clubs are the ones with the bigger wages and the bigger arguments. They're going to get a bigger chunk of it. I think the split is probably not a massive amount different from what it is right now. Yeah, but yeah. the amount of money is bigger and that's the key thing yeah yeah also in there there's 100 million pounds to the fa to help support the uh, women's super league 
um, and a few other bits and pieces in terms of the grassroots game. Additional money would be also be this one. This one actually quite interested me, and I think it's quite a good one because there are good parts of this proposal. Let's be very clear here: additional money to be provided to help fund stadium improvements in the lower leagues. That could make a massive difference to a lot of clubs as well because that that's one area we know as well as anyone. What is a big problem, Carl, in terms of the standard of our stadium and facilities? It's well, it's on. You know, when when you see it brought down, it looks attractive. But the I'm going to use this phrase a lot. The devil's in the detail, isn't it? You know, caveats. That's the key thing. You you can't you can't expect Premier League clubs to build Carlisle two three thousand seat stands at each end of the ground. No, you know that's that's not going to happen. But. But it's more money than we got right now, and if if you can do things as simple as you know, it sounds ridiculous, but building a pet set of toilets in the Warwick Road end because yeah, at the moment yeah. they're a disgrace. Things like that yeah, can make yeah. a big difference and can make it more attractive. And you can spend money elsewhere on the other bits that they're not going to fund. So yeah, that that's the key thing with that. Also, sort of tied into that is a commitment to introduce safe standing at stadiums. That's interesting that the Premier League, well, the two big clubs especially, coming out strongly in favour of that. Yeah, well, Liverpool especially, obviously, yeah. given the well-documented history with the Hillsborough disaster. Yeah. But I, th- I think there's sort of a, a ground sw- groundswell of opinion now that, you know, safe standing is safe. You know, yeah. it's, it's what, 30, just <coughs> over 30 years now since Hillsborough. Yeah. You know, safety systems have come on a hell of a lot. Yeah. We have better CCTV. We have better understanding of safety. And, you know... Before all this kicked off, big clubs were starting to to look at introducing rail seating and the like. So yeah. that's that's you know not really a big surprise, is it? No, not not, not a huge surprise in that sense. Um, okay, the next point: uh, no EFL Cup or Charity Shield is one of the proposals put forward. Now, this one has caused a bit of consternation. Now, we'll tackle the Charity Shield, Charity Shield, Community Shield it is these days. Now, here, Dan, you wrote that down wrong for once. It wasn't me, so I'm not going to have that one. <laughs> um, but the Community Shield, now, I don't, I don't really get the the point in this and getting rid of it. it it's a one-off game. It's raises money for charity or community uh, schemes and that kind of thing. It, it just strikes me if they just want to fill an extra it's, space it's, for a, it's a, looks it's a friendly. It's a traditional curtain raiser, and yeah. it only features two teams. Yeah, you know, it's not like there's half a dozen teams after do a yeah. little tournament over look, the weekend. Look, if they want to go and play this out in America or out in China or the Far East, something like that, fire. I mean, to be honest, it doesn't bother us because we'll probably never play in it. So yeah. it's one of those things. If they want to do that as some sort of like a vaguely competitive game played elsewhere. Obviously, the caveat there is yeah, that they was, don't was it the, was it the Spanish Super Cups being abroad a couple of times it's, recently? The Italian one has been, I think, to Italian Dubai one, yes, as well, that's I think, right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so there, is, there is a precedent for that sort of yeah. thing, isn't there? Yeah, so I mean, if they wanted to do that, fine. I, I don't get really get rid of it. I think it to me, it's just them wanting to free up a space to play another friend, competitive set of, well, not competitive, yeah. another set of lucrative friendlies, really, isn't it? That's the key thing. That's what they yeah. want. And that's obviously something that else is mentioned in the. Uh, plans um the no efl cup now me and you've had some views on this recently haven't we we, we discussed this briefly on the podcast. Yeah. I'd, I'd still like to see the efl cup the carabao cup as it is known for sponsorship reasons kept i think basically that what you do is say right your teams that qualify for europe you don't take part in it because that's where the issues in terms of european teams are finding a struggle to play in that as well as european competition fine 
they don't play in it. That then gives all the other teams who haven't got European football the chance to actually win a trophy. That That's the way I'd potentially... I think you might have a slightly different view on it, possibly. Well, normally, yes. But as I have mentioned before, what people don't realise now with the EFL Cup is the winners aren't going to go into the Europa, Europa League anymore. Yeah. They're going to go into the newly formed Europa... I've forgotten its name now. Conference League, which is essentially the third tier. And, you know, can you really see the likes of, I don't know, Wolves and Leicester trying the hardest to win a trophy where they're going to end up in Thursday night European competition going to Latvia, Cyprus and Andorra? Sounds a lovely trip, that, doesn't it? It it does to me. Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, the... You know, this, the, we're, we're also the only one of the big five European countries to have a League Cup now. France got rid of theirs in the summer. Uh, they played the final out and that was it. Yeah. They, theirs has gone. And, you know, it's like, in all intents and purpose, it is a reserve team cup for the big teams until about the semis anyway yeah. now, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the likes of Arsenal and Man United and Chelsea, they've all... They've all played, you know, the sort of the the edges of the squad in it for for years now. And yeah. my my sort of slightly controversial thing that I suggested on Twitter in the summer would be to merge the trophy and the league cup mm-hmm. and just make an EFL Cup only. Yeah. You could have group stages prior to Christmas, and it's four or five teams in each group. And the winners and the runners-up going to knock out through January, February, March, you know, and you know you get you get a chance of getting to win because championship teams are beatable. Yeah. You know, we 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 beat Barnsley last season away from home, absolutely yeah. hammered them. You know, and those at the real top of the championship would maybe ease off a bit in it as well because they'd be going for the the golden goose of the Premier League, wouldn't they? So, yeah. Yeah. So it. it, it I, I, to be honest, I'd probably be all right with that suggestion. I think it's between for me. If you're going to do some of the EFL Cup, they're the two suggestions. You take the European teams out, or you take all Premier League teams out. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the two best suggestions. I, I don't necessarily think getting rid of it is the greatest idea. But then there's an argument: is there enough football already at our level in terms of you playing 46 games? Your Premier League teams are playing 34 games potentially. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's one of those ones. That I, I think. It's not going to happen for a few years anyway because there's TV deal commitments isn't there. So that, that that's not up for debate just yet. But I think potentially there is options to revamp that. And like you say, the trophy. But what's the, what's the point in it really? But, but that's, an, that's another discussion altogether, isn't it? I, I also add that obviously in, in my ideal revamped EFL Cup, there'll be no B teams under 23s or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. Okay, so... The next one, this is one of the big biggies, reducing the 92 down to 90 uh, and as a result, reducing the Premier League down from 20 to 18 teams. Now, some people are not happy about this. I think there's a bit of merit in it, personally. It brings the Premier League more in line with other European leagues as well, particularly, doesn't it? I think there's a few of us there. Uh, Ger- Germ- Germany has 18. Yeah. Uh, France has 20 and Italy has 20 and I think La Liga does. 
I wonder whether he brings in line with one. Then I think I, I got mixed up there because I think Serie A for a brief period maybe had eighteen. Possibly I've seen. Some yeah, number. but they're, they're all pretty much twenty apart from yeah. Germany, which is eighteen. But watch the next few years and watch all the other leagues start to work towards that as well. That's that's what's going to happen because of the Champions League getting bigger and there being more European games and they'll potentially want to play the odd game on a Saturday potentially. If they want to do that, fine. That's their problem, really. It's not. We're not going to play it anytime soon, so that's the way it is. And the thing is, those games are not going to play on a Saturday afternoon, are they? They're going to play Saturday evening when it's prime time and it can be shared yeah. around the world, basically. So it's not going to clash with, you know, Carlisle against Northampton on a Saturday afternoon, is it really? And potentially, actually, works quite well. People can go and watch a Carlisle game in the afternoon, then go out and watch the Champions League game on Saturday evening. That's the way it'd work. Mm. Um, how this works, that's the key thing, because obviously, in a roundabout way, two teams at our level, some in a knock-on effect, are going to lose their place in our league at some point. That's the key to isn't it? You'd think maybe in this plan, surely they look towards changing the relegation to the conference. National League, sorry, I should say. I mean, that's something that's surely got to change in the near future anyway, because the two up, two down, for me, I think you can get to the point now where surely you can be three up, three down. I think you've had thoughts on this as well recently yeah and the, well the one that always makes that always stands out is down from league one into league two is four and four go up which is against all the other leagues where it's it's free and obviously two into the conference it just sort of needs tidied up doesn't it yeah it, it, it's a very sort of strange setup isn't it and yeah potentially made even stranger by the potential change to the playoffs which again we'll get onto in a minute there's so much to discuss here it's ridiculous but I, I'm not 100% against this idea of having an 18 team Premier League you know if it if it keeps them happy or whatever my, my, my only thing with it if it, it doesn't particularly bother me you know yeah. I'm not I'm not overly yeah. bothered by the Premier League but there's a big difference between an 18 league Premier League and uh, eight, sorry 18 team and a 24 team championship true True. And I, I, I've, I've said for several years now that we play too much football in this country. Yeah. And I would actually, this, this is my controversial bit. I would go to twenty team divisions through the football league. Oh, damn! Oh dear. Four That's divisions of twenty. One. Well, you know, it's a potential option in the future. I mean, so yeah. In terms of the eighteen teams, I, I'm not very widely against it. Thing is, as well, we'll discuss the relegation issue that's potentially coming up in that as well but is that potentially going to make it the Premier League a bit better in terms of and it probably doesn't affect us but instead of three going down possibly from 20 you've got three going down from 18 it puts a lot more pressure on some of those teams in mid-table doesn't it, it makes them think a bit more about how they're performing it potentially makes that more exciting I suppose yeah it would, it would probably tighten the, the the table up wouldn't it yeah yeah okay um, uh, next one here I'm not sure this will affect us but £20 away ticket maximum. It's something that's already in place, but putting that down in writing, I think, isn't it, was the, the talk that they would do. So, presumably, that's only going to be in the Premier League, I'd guess. But potentially a decent offer there, I suppose, for fans. That, that's another carrot they're throwing I, out. I, I, find, I find it crazy, though, that you could be, uh, say, a Newcastle fan. Yeah. You could go to Old Trafford to watch your team, pay £20... And there's a fella sat across from you who's paying and, 70 odd quid. But then we could be at Salford the next week and maybe be paying £24. Yeah. Well, that, that's, the, that's the key thing. Is it just for the Premier League? Yeah. If it's yeah. throughout the Football League, fair enough. I think that's that's decent enough. The only worry is that some clubs who 
you pay under 20 quid and then start bumping up the price to 20 quid to make up. Uh, okay, this is the, the next bit in terms of the league set up to the potential change. A revamp of the playoffs. Now, at the moment, as we know, this would only be in the Premier League to Championship playoffs, wouldn't it? So, League One, League Two seemingly are going to stay the same, aren't they? That's, that's yeah. what we can gather from it. What the proposal would be is that basically in the two teams from this 18 team Premier League would still go down automatically. That still would happen. Two teams would still go up from the championship. But in the championship, you would then have only three teams going into the playoffs alongside the team that would finish. Let me get my maths right here. 16th. 16th place, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> in the thing, they would go into these playoffs and play against each other. So essentially, the team that finishes uh, fifth in the championship would play 16th place in the Premier League. The teams that finish third and fourth would play each other. Is that right? Have I got that right? Yes. Possibly, yeah. I, think I mean, that would obviously, make sense. they haven't actually given the full detail, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. But. And then obviously, they would go in, teams that win that would then go into the final to play for that Premier League place. Potentially, the team keeping it, potentially, the team gaining it. Now, a lot of questions are going to be asked about this. For the start, one, would the team still play at the final at Wembley? Because it, to me, it would seem utterly bizarre that a team finishes in 15th, 16th place sorry, in the Premier League and gets a chance to go to Wembley in a final and potentially gets relegated in front of 40,000 their fans. That just seems utterly surreal. So that suggests to me the, the championship, the, the playoff final at Wembley is gone and you potentially do like you do in Germany where you have a two-place playoff, one at the home team, one at the... Yeah. the uh, sorry, not one at the home team, one at each team's ground. People said, oh, similar to the setup in Germany, that's quite exciting. It's like, yeah, it's exciting, but very rarely does the team in the Bundesliga go down. More no, often than not, there's, it's there's the only, team stays up. I've, I have a bit of knowledge of these because my German team, Hamburg, have been in two or three of these playoffs. Yeah. And in the last 10, 11 years... There's only Union Berlin and Fortuna Dusseldorf have actually gone up through the playoff in about 12 years, I think it is. Something so like that. the odds are stacked in favour of the team from the big league. But I I would think just over here, the way our game is, I think we'd see see the, the championship teams come up a little bit more, I think. I do. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point, Dan. I think the championship is a very competitive league, probably. In comparison with two Bundesliga to the Bundesliga, it would be interesting to see what happens because my worry is it it rewards teams that have been absolutely dross all season in finishing third bottom, still having a second chance to stay up for me. I personally prefer it instead of isn't the championship playoffs are some of the most exciting games of the season. They're absolutely mental. The playoffs in all the divisions actually in the Football League are absolutely crazy. And it and some people say, Oh, that isn't necessarily conducive to good football. Well, yeah, it isn't, but at the end of a long season it gives people a lot of excitement, doesn't it? Those games. I mean, look at our playoff game against Exeter. Absolutely mad that game. Those few couple of games were not the greatest football you'll see, but in terms of excitement, yeah, it's brilliant. In, in ter- in, yeah, in terms of, and especially for the neutral. I mean, a lot of people like to watch the playoffs just because of the uh, the yeah. excitement factor, yeah. don't they? It's one of the few times in the season where I'll ju- I'll sit and just watch teams that I don't really care about that much, and yeah, yeah. the quality is not going to be that great just because you know something mad's going to happen. Wasn't that game recently? an actual game that was something like 7-6 or something stupid like that, wasn't that? I seem to remember. There was a really crazy one a couple of years ago that was just, like, unbelievably bad. I can't remember who it was, but I'm sure someone will tweet us and tell us. But yeah, in terms of changing the, 
playoffs. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that one, but potentially you know, depends depends how it, it it works, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I suppose if you know at the start of the season that if you finish sixteenth, yeah. you've got a second bite at the cherry. Doesn't there's no arguments, is there? Yeah, you know? no, no, no. It's true, and it, it's one of these things people say. Oh, they don't like the players because it rewards team that finishes sixth potentially going up, and team finishes third doesn't say. Well, team who finishes third knows at the start of the season if they want to go up automatically. Finish top or second. Yeah, yeah. That's the king. They they know that itself. My yeah. worry is as well. It, it also means for the more teams in the championship have got nothing to play for for a longer season. I know it's only one team extra, but that fifth, sixth place sort of thing can make a big difference, can't it? Really. But yeah, another one is the change. Moving on from the playoffs discussion, a change to how PL money to the EFL is distributed in the future. This is another big one that seems to have got. EFL clubs, very, very excited, doesn't it? So Premier League clubs currently receive 92% of the distributable revenues. In these plans, it would that would change. It would be reduced to 75%. 25% would then go to the EFL. Now, per club, this would raise the championship income by 15.5 million, League One clubs by 3.5 million, and League Two income by 2.3 million. Now, at League Two and League One level, that is a massive difference. That yeah, potentially yeah. makes... Almost every club solvent, if if that money is not wasted on wages, that's the big concern for a lot of people, isn't it, Dan? I think. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a suggestion that uh, we wouldn't hear about a deal until after the uh, domestic transfer window finished this week, yeah. because they were worried that some clubs would just go out and sign three or four players, and you know basically wax their their bonus yeah but but the discussion is that this extra 25 this up to 25 percent would come with the caveat of there'd have to be strong wage caps in each division and also would actually see the scrapping of the um parachute payments wouldn't it yeah yeah which to be honest i don't think a lot of people have got a major problem with because it it does give a big advantage to those teams yeah there's, there's there's certainly uh an an, an unfair playing field. If if you've got uh you know your likes of your, I'm trying to think West Brom, Norwich. You know these teams Full are sort of, of one, yeah, yeah, your between the two divisions. They're getting considerable money every other year. Yeah, I mean one of them way, are... way way ahead of a Barnsley or a Wickham. You know it's yeah. One of the arguments there is the fact that oh, but you know when we come down, we have got these big wages and we still got to be able to pay them. It's like well, plan it better. Put in clauses that say you're going to lose fifty percent of your wage. It's going to drop down. I mean, they're going to still get paid stupid money. Yeah, let's yeah, not, yeah. not beat about the bush here. They're still yeah. going to get insane wages for that level. They're just not going to get the full amount. But clubs don't want to do that because they think, oh, we won't get as good a players. Like, well, but if you all do that, if every there should be something that should be in the rules of the Premier League that say you have to put a relegation reduction clause into every player's contract. Yeah, it has to be yeah, a yeah. certain amount, obviously depends on the size of the club and what other things are. I mean, similar to the way in the way that La Liga clubs have to put in a um buyout clause in every single player, don't they? Yeah, and Just it's all it in... it's all it's all done centrally, isn't it? I yeah. mean Well do it for I, the league. That, that's the I, way you do I, it. I know when uh on uh, deadline day when Arsenal signed a party from Atletico Madrid. Yeah, they pay the they, fee to the league, don't they? They they did they didn't even talk to the club. They just yeah. went straight to the league, said, Right, what's the payout? Bang, here we go. Do you know why they did that though? Interesting, I found this out on another podcast. I think it was on uh, the On the Continent, the Football Ramble one. Brilliant podcast if you don't listen to it. Well worth listening to. 
one of the guys on there is an expert on um, uh, Spanish football. I can't remember his name. I think it's David Cartledge, possibly. Um, he was saying that one of the reasons for this was the fact that if they didn't deal directly with the club and just paid the sellout to the La Liga, that benefits Atletico Madrid because they then are allowed the replacement clause. So there's a clause in Spanish football where if you lose a player, you were then given an extra 28 days yes, to replace yes, him beyond yeah. beyond the transfer window. But it has to be a domestic signing. Yes, so Atletico yeah. Madrid, because they didn't deal directly with Arsenal, now have 28 days to potentially replace yeah, Thomas Partey. Uh, with Barcelona, an Barcelona did that when they signed Martin Brantwaite the other yeah. season, didn't they? Yeah, although yeah. ridiculously, the club they signed him from, I can't remember who it was. It was, I think, was, it, was it Getafe or something like that? I can't remember. But they then weren't allowed to replace Martin Brantwaite. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely stupid the way yeah, it worked. But yeah. but yeah, so that, that that getting a bit off off tangent there, but a little bit of an explanation. Now let's get on to the really controversial ones. There, I think those are ones which you know some people might disagree with, but there's actually some quite good stuff in there. There's, and there's pros and cons likeable. to a lot of it, yeah. isn't there? You yeah, know, and yeah. I have I have a few ideas that are a bit different from you. We'll have them who are a bit different from John and Bob, you know, but yeah. you know, there's certainly there's certain it started the talk, hasn't it? You yeah. know, the, yeah. the discussion needs to be had. It's yeah. been coming and the whole coronavirus has probably accelerated it. Yeah. But there's the, as I've said on previous episodes, there is a great chance for football to basically press the reset button and sort itself yeah. out. Yeah, you can't make small changes. This is the key thing. People, some people say, oh, we just need a little bit of money earned, a few tweaks. Like, no, there needs to be big changes. That's the only way things are going to get done. And people, the sooner people accept that, the better. And we can actually get on to sorting out and putting together a good plan that works for as many clubs or everyone, really, as, as many clubs as possible, basically. Yeah. Um, so let's get on to the controversial points now. The, the, the main one, and this is the one that stands out the most, one of the things that this plan would have done was hand more power to the big six clubs. That's Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea. Um, they, at the moment, if you want to make changes in the Premier League to the way the rules work and things like that, 14 out of the 24 clubs, so effectively a two-thirds majority. 20. 14 out of the 20, 20 clubs, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> God, my maths is appalling. I think I just switched off for a second there. So four, 14 out of the 20 clubs have to agree to it. So essentially a two-thirds majority, okay? Now, the change to this would be that only six clubs, and it would be those big six clubs, would have to agree to those changes. They would have basically the veto power, essentially, one of their votes. Now, the idea was actually it would be nine clubs, but six of those nine would have to agree to it. So they would include three of the longest-serving clubs that would be Everton, West Ham and Southampton. Now, I've got a question straight away with that is, how the hell are West Ham and Southampton in there ahead of Aston Villa? Because Aston, 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 Villa, Aston Villa only came up a year ago. But but they've been longer-serving in terms of the amount of years they've spent in the Premier League. No, I, I think they're doing it as how long you've been in. I mean, that's ridiculous, though, isn't it? Because Southampton has spent quite a bit of time out of the Premier League. West Ham has spent a fair bit. Everton, I totally grasp that. Arguably, they should be in there with the, the big six. There's a big seven, you could argue. But the whole idea is, oh, you know, there's not, there'll be nine of us, but, but only six of them have to agree. So those three mean nothing, really. As long as the big six agree with it, they can go, yeah, that's fine. And then Everton, West Ham and Southampton have got no power of it. Now, interestingly, I think those three have actually come out pretty much and said, no, we don't agree with these plans, yeah, haven't they? Yeah. they? They've said, 
you know, don't don't patter us in trying to make out with well, West, part of West this. Ham were one of the first ones to be very vocal about yeah. it as well. And if West Ham don't agree with them, there must be some, something wrong yeah. with it, really. With uh, you know the uh, the Dildo brothers in charge there. Um, yeah. But yes, that, for me, what's the point of the thing? And it raises concerns of a few. You know, a little bit down the road, they'll just turn around and go. Well, actually, you know, we're not quite happy with these things now, and we're going to vote against them. So there you go; it's gone. Also, and one thing that stood out for me was, say they did get their way, they could then vote for their own specific TV deals, where we would actually not receive any money from them. That, that's that's where there's a big problem now. Yeah, John Nixon does actually talk about that in his interview. We'll get onto that in the second half shortly. But, um, but yeah, that's where the bigger problem is. And this is the bit that people don't seem happy about. And quite rightly, and one of the things Rick Parry said, I thought was pretty disrespectful to one of the clubs he's supposed to represent. He said, why shouldn't Manchester United, have, you know, they're one of the big teams, you know, they're big on the revenue. Why shouldn't Manchester United have more power than Huddersfield Town? Because it's a democracy. <laughs> that's the whole yeah, point. Of it. Yeah. That's what makes it good. If you give the big six the power, then it's not really a league, is it? It's basically just their little plaything. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. The other big controversial change, it doesn't seem to get talked about as much, but for me and you, this is a big problem, is the loan changes. So these changes, sides would be able to loan out 15 players at once, including four players to the same club, and they'll be able to recall loanees if a manager changes. Now, I'm presuming the 15 is just domestic, so your Chelsea and your Man Cities would still be able to loan them out to, uh, was it, VT's? Uh, you, you'll get this pronunciation. Right? Vitesse Arnhem. Vitesse Arnhem and clubs like that out on the continent. They'd still be able to do that, no bother. This is just domestically. And this is, I think, to almost a backdoor way to counter the whole we don't want B teams. The clubs are like, all right, we'll just loan out four... Man City could go, right, we're going to loan four players out to Rochdale. We're also going to loan another four out to Bolton. And we'll loan another four out to, I don't know, let's say, um, think of a Midlands team, maybe like Walsall or someone like that. And maybe three out to Blackburn or something like that. We've got control over those clubs, basically. We're actually doping those clubs essentially aren't they that, that's where yeah. you've got problems yeah so, for up, up to 15 players 18 clubs you're talking 270 players yeah that's you insane know, and even even with 72 teams it's still three or four players a club and it's it's almost creating artificial feeder clubs isn't it yeah it is and I, that that this is one of the rules I'm really not keen on I, I think it's just stupid the loan laws do need to be reformed, but not in this way, in my opinion. Yeah, if, if, if anything, the number of loanees that the big clubs are allowed out should be reducing. Yeah. You know, not, not getting bigger. Yeah, because all those just do stockpile players as they have been doing for years. Just yeah. the way they Okay, I think we sort of covered over the main points of it now, Dan. So we'll take a little break here, uh, and then we'll come back, and me and you will just go through the Kalinati reaction, the EFL reaction, the PL reaction, and a few of our own thoughts. We'll back in a minute. Okay, Dan, we're back for the second half now of our special episode looking at the uh, Project Big Picture proposals. Um, it's always crap names for these things, aren't they? They never, never yeah. really think them for, are they? There's no, no forms in them. Sure, they come up with the name first, don't they? And then, then they come up with what, 
plans they've got to follow. It sounds um, very partridge-esque, doesn't it? It, it does. Do you, know, you know what the funny thing is? When I actually said that in front of my mic, you can't see obviously because it's audio. I did sort of like almost like jazz hand style as if I was saying it. <laughs> partridge on the radio or something like that. It's, yeah. It just brings it out in you, doesn't it? Um, okay, so Kali Knight reaction. That's what we're going to look at from this first. So first up, seemed to come as a little bit of a shock to Nigel Clibbins. I'm not 100% sure he didn't know that there was discussions about plans going forward. I think he just didn't know the detail or wasn't really told that they were coming out this soon. And that's the key thing from Nigel's tweet, isn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the impression you get. Now, John Nixon, I've never seen him so vocal for so long, have we? It's incredible. I know, it's, it's, we haven't heard of him for ages and he's already quoted on EWM, which we'll cover in our usual weekly episode yeah. this week yeah. and then a, a no no less than a three-part transcripted interview which yeah. uh, you can watch the full video on the club uh, channels right i got a little bit of stick for saying this on twitter i think in reply to one of john Cole's tweets i know he gets a lot of stick and to be honest he deserves a lot of it he talks a lot of rubbish in my opinion and and with everyone else on that but I actually think this is quite a good interview he actually gave us a bit more insight into the EFL side of things, and particularly League Two side of things, didn't you? Yeah, really? yeah. And before we get onto it, I'll just say if if you haven't read it or watched it, it's definitely worth giving the time to because it's it's probably to be honest, it's probably his best interview in in his time at the club. To be quite honest, yeah, he was quite honest and open about the things, wasn't he? Yeah. Now, first off, it does seem he was aware of the fact that the discussions were ongoing. Um, and had the basis of the plans, maybe just not all the, the details. So maybe some of the things like the big six getting their vote or whatever, he wasn't quite aware of at the time, maybe. But it, it's clear that, I mean, it's, it's obvious. If, he's, if his chair's gone off and had these discussions, they're going to know about it, aren't they? It's, it's you know, just obvious, that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, one of the things he mentioned that's quite interesting is, and this has come out today in the PL statement anyway, is that... Uh, Peer clubs are very keen to help League One and League Two. There seems to be an issue with the championship. Now, obviously, that's to do with the fact that clubs are spending silly amounts in the championship and gambling big to try and get themselves into the Premier League. That's not to say they want a closed shop. They, I think they maybe just want that issue sorted out because clubs are going down and then struggling in the championship because they're spending stupid amounts of money. But it, it's a positive to take, I suppose, the fact that the Premier League does recognise that League One and League Two clubs do need help throughout this crisis. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, when when last season was sort of cancelled and there was a uh, nobody sort of knew when this season would start. I think there was a, a general acceptance that not just EFL clubs, but the the entire pyramid would would need some sort of help because so many clubs with with zero revenue coming in. You know, there's a lot of clubs, and especially in League Two, they reckon there's four or five who, once have paid uh, this month's wages, will literally be, the pot will be empty. So, yeah, there's, it's. I, f- I think of as the Premier League's grown, there's sort of been less help to the pyramid if, if that's the right sort of word for it yeah it, 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 it just seem to have got caught up in their own self-importance and yeah. don't really care as much yeah it's interesting if you go back actually though because Rick Parry was I'm pretty sure it's the CEO of the Premier League when it started wasn't he before he went to actually do his role at Liverpool back in the 90s there was actually discussion wasn't there to give more money to the Football League 
I think it was actually around about 25% at one point. But it was voted down at the time, actually, funny enough. So the, the Premier League has been keen in the past to do a bit more. But then mm. it was kind of sort of forgotten and the club sort of voted it down. So there's been pushes for this in the past, but it's just not quite happened. So yeah, the Championship's clearly where the major problem is there. And from what they've said today, we will be getting support in, in League One and League Two. So that's a bit of a relief, I suppose, for... Yeah, I, I think I think when, when obviously the news broke just before we started recording that while this is done in in this form, there will be fifty million to League One and League Two, which uh, obviously will be very helpful to all the clubs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, from what John Nixon was saying, he thinks there's a lot to like in these plans, which is, to be honest, what we've just said really. But the risk that clubs will just blow the money on wages—that's that's, that's the, one of the key talk points. And from what he said, there's. Basically, what they're looking at is to put plans in place. Whatever happens now, we know this project big picture is not going to happen. But whatever happens in terms of distribution, there needs to be something in place to stop, particularly championship clubs, just spaffing the money up the wall. To use a, yeah, a politician's yeah. phrase, there and that—that's that's the key caveat, in that isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's you know, it's well well documented that the championship spend a hell of a lot of money. Uh, they all nearly all run at a loss, and. You know the businesses that do fund these clubs; they're also going to have been hit this year yeah. throughout the full pandemic. And um, the point you made before, as well, John Nixon covered this about the uh, the, the fact that potentially that twenty five percent of the TV money could get wiped out by clubs just going, "Well, we'll just do our own little deals here." The, the, John Nixon does mention the fact that whatever deal happens, there needs to be a veto in there where clubs can say, from the football, you can have some involvement in the FA as well to say, "No, you can't do that. You've still got to give a decent chunk of money." To the EFL clubs as part of any deal, so there's a positive to take there, maybe I suppose, but it depends whether a veto can be agreed. That's the key thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 all about who, who has the power, doesn't it? You know, and yeah. I, I don't, I, I just can't see the executives at the Man United's, Liverpool's, Arsenal's really listening that much to executives at Carlisle, Crawley, and. Chesterfield from the nation National League, you know. Yeah, no, it, it is a fair point. It's a fair point that, um, obviously, he discussed a few of the things we've already said about the fact that you know potentially loss of revenue from the EFL Cup as well if that's scrapped and things like that, um, and the fact that clubs are desperate for money and need it, as I think Clibbins has mentioned before as well. By the end of October is when a deal needs to be agreed because that's the last month of wages that can be paid from the money that's been given from the Premier League. So, um, but. The key thing that Nixon said is that these proposals are just the beginning and it will form morph into something hopefully better. Yeah, I mean, as we've already said, it's it's been announced there that this this initial proposal is dead. I don't think it's dead. I no. think what it is, is it's, it, as I said earlier, it's began the talks and it will come back to the table in a reformatted or repackaged way. Yeah that will yeah. maybe be more acceptable to everyone involved. Well, there's talk, isn't there? I think the, the former um, FA chair as well, is it Lord Lord Bernstein, I think? Or Bernstein. Yeah. He's also planning a rival plan that Parry is apparently seen sight of and he's quite impressed with some of the pros in it. In, in that, the power isn't concentrated in those handful of clubs. Yeah, so it may yeah. be a case of you take the two plans and you merge it together. And take you, best, it could, it could be the two bits. plans and then, yeah. you know, who's to say the chief executive said... Uh, I don't know, Northampton and Barnsley 
don't have a couple of ideas that they maybe bring yeah. to the table yeah. and so, oh, well, that's a good idea you know let's let's incorporate that and the key know. thing about this other plan is it's independent as well so they've, yeah. they've deliberately said they've not gone to the premier league or to the efl with any of yeah. this in terms of what do you you know what's your input they've shown them the things but they've said we, we've got to be independent because that's the best way of doing it because there's too much vested interest there so yeah initial kind of reaction seems to be sort of not necessarily this is brilliant definitely go for it but there's good parts of it we're very broadly in favor but there needs to be vetoes and caveats in there that seems to be the thing and i'm not i'm not too i'm not, so, I'm not too worried i'm i'm comfortable with that position i think that's a fair position i think dismissing it completely outright is not a great position to take in this because something does need to change basically yeah so so that's the Cal United position. Uh, EFL Club's reaction, let's cover this briefly. Um, the usual folks are piping up, aren't they? The, the usual mouthpieces. Um, yeah, your likes of uh, McAntony at Peterborough, Piley at Fleetwood, Andy Holt from Accrington. Yeah. Um, we're not going to regurgitate what they have said. I'm sure you can all find them on Twitter and look for it yourself. But yeah. They've all got a wide range of views, haven't they? Yeah, I think yeah. They're, they're similar to Nixon. I think they're broadly in favour, but they've got issues with parts of it, haven't they? Yeah, the one that did stand out to me though was I think it was uh, Jez Moxie who yeah. used to be at Wolves. Wolves he's he's yeah. now involved with Burton. I think he he came out on Twitter and said, uh, you know, League One, everyone's in favour. You know, very positive. Yeah. And I think it was uh, the bloke from Lincoln. His name escapes me. Retweeted yeah. it, going, uh, it, it must have been asleep in the bit where I disagreed with a lot of it. You know, well, which... apparently he's not the only one. I'm pr- I think Andy Holt actually himself possibly said that. No, it's not necessarily true that there was. Yeah, there yeah. was some pushback. So interesting one. That. And actually, the same happened in in League Two, didn't it? I think the guy is it Nigel Travers Travis, who's involved at um, Leighton Orient. Um, yeah. he came out and said the same thing and I think Tram may have come out and said mm, yeah I think, I think it was Leighton Orient and Forest Green were vocal initially in our league weren't they yeah and I think I think a couple of clubs have now come out and said oh that's not 100% what actually happened yeah so I yeah. think there's a couple of people got very excited and ahead of yeah. themselves and the guy at Leighton Orient does actually have links to uh, John Henry and uh, LFC so yeah, maybe yeah. a little bit of a vested not a vested interest but you know there's a connection there anyway. yeah yeah um and the one you've picked out here, Dan, as well, is obviously Ian Holloway's had his comments. Uh, shock there, rent quote Ian Holloway. Has come to yeah, say that, but no, I, mean, I know he's, he's Ian Holloway, but, uh, you know, it's, what what he actually said, I've got the quote here, yeah. uh, I think it was on TalkSport, he, he said, basically they've got a gun to our heads and they're trying to take over football and make sure they get richer. That's not what it's about, it's embarrassing. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's horrendous. It's a time when everyone is struggling the most. They've come come up with this, and then his brilliant line: "How are they the top six when Man United are sixteenth? That was absolute comedy. That final line. But uh, I mean, you'd expect Man United to sort themselves out the season, but if they didn't, I mean, this is the thing: this whole old top six got the, the votes. But I know the chances of it happening are very, very remote. But what happens if, say, like a, a Spurs or an Arsenal has a really stinking season, unexpectedly? Because it happens. It's happened to clubs in the past. It happens to Newcastle. It's happened to Leeds." Yeah, Aston Villa have a really stinking season and end up going down. What happens then? Do they well, still have yeah, their vote yeah. and share? It's just, yeah. does it transfer to Everton as the next biggest, you know, club in the thing? It's just, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's it's just not thought through, in my opinion. A, a lot of a lot of the questions that have been raised are providing too many answers, basically, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. 
But I, I wonder if they've basically just thrown out everything out there, seeing which bits aren't palatable, and go, okay, let's go back and tweak that slightly. That, that's the thing. When these things leak, they leak for a reason. Yeah, that didn't yes. leak by accident the weekend. Absolutely no doubt about that. No. Okay, let's move on to the Premier League reaction. Shock horror. They're very opposed to this plan, the other 14 clubs. Didn't see that one coming, did we? No, not at all. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so officially it's been taken off the table today. Uh, officially, and we've both said uh, inverted commas because bits of it will re-emerge. I have zero doubts about that. Part of it will come back in some zombie uh, plan in the future. It's positive, though, that they acknowledge something needs to be done. Um, that, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a key see. part of it, isn't it? I've actually got the statement here. Let me read up it. So all 20 Premier League clubs today unanimously agreed that Project Big Picture will not be endorsed or pursued by the Premier League or the FA. Interesting that it says unanimously all 20 clubs there. Because that suggests the other two have basically thought, okay, back in our box here. But the fact that they unanimously agreed with it suggests to me that they were quite comfortable with having it out there leaked and basically yeah, poo-pooed yeah. in big areas. They're like, that's fine. You know, we've got our little bits out there. We'll let's work towards the bits we can get changed. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's basically saying that the further Premier League shareholders agreed to work together as a 20-club collective on a strategic plan for the future structures and financing of English football, consulting with all stakeholders to ensure that a vibrant, competitive and sustainable football pyramid. Clubs will work collaboratively in an open and transparent process focusing on comp- competition structure, calendar, governance and financial sustainability. This project has the full support of the FA and will include engagement, well-relevant stakeholders, including fans, government, and, of course, the EFL. Now, that's the, that's the first start part. There's a bit about the rescue package. You can find that elsewhere, everyone. We've sort of discussed it in detail there, anyway, in the fact that they can help League One and League Two clubs. Um, the last bit, actually, I want to mention that. that it's positive to see this again. Football is not the same without attending fans, and the football economy is unsustainable without them. The Premier League and all our clubs remain committed to the safe return of fans as soon as possible. Good to see them really positive on that still as well. So, yeah, the key thing here is the fact that they recognise the fact that things have got to change. And we've said this before, things do have to change. And you'll you'll have your people out there on Twitter, your usual uh, against modern football and stuff like that. Football evolves, it changes. It's been 30 years since the Premier League was established almost. So yeah, football cannot stay the same forever, can it? Dan, it has to change at some point. That, that it, it can't stagnate. You know, football has changed throughout the ages. You had, you know, regionalised divisions at some point in the future. We don't want that coming back, just to make that very clear right now. Um, but yeah, something has to change, doesn't it? Well, here's an example. Uh, we've got the, the Euros next summer. Uh, 30 years ago, the Euros had eight teams in them. Yeah. You know, so football does evolve. The Champions League... Yeah. You know, the the Champions League when it starts its next cycle in a couple of years, that's when they're wanting it bigger and better, which is where a lot of this has come from. You know, yeah, so. yeah exactly. We, so football's got to change. There's going to be bits people aren't going to like, but then let's make sure we get bits in there that that we do like and things that are positive to make things better, basically. So I mean that, that brings it on nicely, actually, really. To uh, well, actually, let, let, let's briefly touch uh, again on the League One and League Two clubs thing. Now, that £50 million has been confirmed, but it's in the form of grants and interest-free loans. Slight concern there that's just kicking the can down the road, maybe? Yeah, possibly. Um, obviously, if, if no good deal gets done, are we going to have a, a scenario where the clubs are sort of owing the paymasters? You know, it's, we'd, yeah. I, I think with a lot of it, we need to see the detail, don't we? 
Yeah, that, that's the key thing. It, it, it's broad ideas at the moment, isn't it? So yeah. that sort of moves it nicely onto our thoughts. And it's, so we've kind of sort of given them as we've gone along as well, haven't we, really? Yeah, but yeah. we sort of both agree that change needs to be made. There are pros and cons. I mean, what your key pros from this, what would you say they are? Uh, the acceptance of helping the rest of the pyramid and below. Yeah. I think yeah. that's that's a massive one. Because, mm-hmm. as I've said already, the Premier League's sort of been in its own bubble for mm-hmm. a, a good while. Uh, uh, looking at the competitions and the calendar is a big one for me because I I know people I, I've dis- people have disagreed with me on the message board about it, but I genuinely think we play too much football in this country. Yeah, full do. stop. We do. You know, and... Uh, you know, there's a chance to to rework the calendar and make it work for clubs. Yeah. You know, Saturday Saturday is football day in this country. Yeah, and the more the more games we have on a Saturday as opposed to a midweek, the better for me. There seems to be a lot. I mean, I do I do enjoy the odd midweek game. It's nice to you know playing with the lights and whatnot. But yeah, but I think going back again about fifteen twenty years from it, we didn't seem to play that many scheduled in. Midweek games. No, it was on. It was only rearranged yeah. due to weather, and that wasn't it. So. Yeah. And the, maybe the one Ob- obviously this season. season we've got an excess due to yeah. the the shortened season. But but even in like last few seasons, we've had six a season at least. I think until yeah. then, and they tend to be the long distance ones as well, which you don't really want to be honest. But yeah, I'd agree with you. I think the chance to look at the calendar is definitely a, a, a big positive because it is insane and. and if it's going to change at the top level, we need to find a way we can work the EFL and the competitions around it. And yeah. I agree with you. Scrapping the EFL trophy would be great, but I don't think that'll happen. I think that'll still stay in, whatever yeah, happens, because they, they want to use it for the B teams. Well, to... The boycott will continue. Indeed it will, indeed it will. I think that one of the pros is this stuff about, in terms of improving facilities. I think it'll help massively at some of the clubs. I mean, you think of a club like, not even just ourselves, but a club like Barrow that's come up from the National League, the amount they probably have to spend on working their stadium over the summer to get it up to standard or get part up to standard, with the extra money yeah, they got from yeah, the Premier League, yeah, they could have yeah. done even more to it. And, they, and, and believe me, they need to. The times I've been all yeah, the street. You, you, you look, you look at other clubs that have done that. You know, Harrogate with them, uh, the likes of your Crawleys, etc. You know, you know Crawley have got that yeah. horrid yeah. temporary stand down the side, haven't they? Yeah. You know that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that that. Done right, it could be a, a good part of it. But again, I, I hate saying this, it'll keep saying it. it, is, it the is. devil's I mean, going to be in the detail, the isn't it? Some of the other bits we're not as concerned about. The, the cons, I mean, fairly obvious, is the top six thing, that that's without discussion. Even though people will say, oh, it doesn't affect us at League 2 level. It, it potentially will do in the future. That's the key thing. On what decisions they're able to make. Yeah. So the, the top six thing and the loans thing, I think we sort of both agree that they're not... Good things. Um, I'd say scrapping the EFL Cup. I'm not keen on that. I think it can be revamped. Definitely, it can be changed. But scrapping it now. If uh, I'm, I'm personally, I'm not overly bothered by the EFL Cup, mm. and that's as I've said because the Premier League teams yeah. just aren't interested as much, and especially you know with yeah. the lesser competition for winning it going into. I mean, the winners of the League yeah. Cup get. I think it's a hundred thousand pounds. Money's not a big thing for that. That's chicken it's, feed. It's kind of getting a decent them. game, and for us, yeah. like a trip to Liverpool. But that's what trip to Liverpool, and you think in the last. What thirty years? How many big ties have we had in that competition? Liverpool, Liverpool, and Spurs twice, basically. Well, Tottenham, That's it, really. 
Yeah. So it, it, yeah. it goes to show it, it it can be difficult sometimes to get a decent tie in it. But um, but yeah. So I think we've sort of both sort of in agreement in, on pros and cons. Really. I mean, I don't know if there's anything particularly you think as well that isn't great in there. Yeah. Uh, I'm just I'm just flicking back through. Uh, yeah, the loan one for me. It's it's just no. The, the whole the whole loan need, needs re, needs redone. The stockpiling needs to stop, and the stockpiling basically stops yeah. a revenue stream yeah. to our clubs because they pick them up yeah. under EPPP for exactly exactly again yeah, chicken feed. I know John Nixon was talking positively about that, but personally, I'm not a not a fan, and I'm sure you're not as well. Um, another thing I think we need to sort of briefly discuss um, a couple of other things, just the. Is this just the Premier League setting out their stall ahead of the next TV deal? Now, this is an interesting one because we'll try and wrap it up fairly quickly here. But the suggestion is that when the next TV deal comes up for discussion, the Premier League might look at the NFL and the way they've done things and other things like that and say, well, the way people taking football is changing. Sorry, but we're going to we're going to scrap the standard TV deals as you get them. And we're going to bring in the older Netflix football. There's been a lot of talk about this, hasn't there? Like, yeah, basically launch that all up. But then is the talk that potentially we could, the EFL could sort of bunch in with them and say, right, well, if we're getting 25% of money, why don't we work together on this and put together a decent deal that works yeah, for everyone, yeah. really? Cause, yeah, I mean, I know when uh, they announced last week that non-televised games were going to be on box office for just under £15, there was uproar. But if, uh, if you're a Premier League fan and... You subscribe to, uh, we'll call it Premflix. Yeah. You know, I mean, what sort of price would people be willing to pay for Premflix? You know, I mean, uh, even if it was like English football, and so it was like, let's say the EFL was thrown in and it was thirty quid a month, would you pay for that? I, I don't think it would. E- I don't think it would even need to be that. I think, I think twenty pound a month yeah. would get enough enough sales and a fiver a week to watch all the football. Not a problem. Yeah, I, I think. Genuinely, I think it potentially is something that's going to happen in the future. Again, technology changes. You can't just stick with your standard TV deals for forever. It's not going to work like that. Um, I think we've already mentioned this. The, the the expanded Champions League is definitely having an effect on this, isn't it? And also the possibility of Euro Super League in the future. There's talk that the, the big six threatened to break away or something, didn't they? If if this wasn't agreed to, so. But obviously, the other fourteen clubs have basically told them how to stick it. And I think we've covered, haven't we, the fact that what we'd like to see, really, the, the change we'd like to see. I don't. I think we're generally there's bits and pieces of it we think are all right. So yeah, yeah, um, not everyone will agree. Uh, when when we launch this, give us your feedback, mm-hmm. and you know it's yes, the initial proposal's gone, but uh, I don't think it's the last we'll hear. Definitely of not. It. Definitely not. I think that rounds it up, really, Dan. I think we've we've got quite a comprehensive discussion there. I think we were hoping to do about forty minutes. We've got over an hour, so. Just showed you, doesn't it? You can, you can talk forever on stuff like this. Um, okay, so that's it for this episode. Uh, another episode also will be out tomorrow in terms of uh, previewing this weekend's game and looking back at that excellent win over Port Vale at the weekend. Uh, if you've got any comments or feedback or there's anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please do give us a review. We really appreciate the excellent feedback we've had so far and uh, the chat we've had on uh, the Facebook groups for that has been brilliant. Really, really appreciate that. 
not got time to go through the, any new countries. I don't think there is any. We'll do that on tomorrow's episode. But uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And up the blues. Up the blues.